The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 4. This is how you learned Christ, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowds saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Among the characters of Greek mythology, there's a man whose name is Narcissus. Narcissus, which is where we get the adjective narcissistic from. Here's the story of Narcissus. He was a handsome young man. In fact, acknowledged by everybody to be the most handsome young man there was. He was beautiful to look at. But no one was worthy of his love. And so he had all kinds of suitors and he would reject them. And he went off by himself to wander in the woods, hoping that maybe someday he could find a love equal to his beauty. As he wandered around the woods, eventually he came across a pool, a very calm pool. The water was not moving at all. It was still. There were no leaves on top of it, and the light was just right. And when he bent down to take a drink from that pool, he saw in that pool the most beautiful face that he had ever seen. And he instantly fell in love with his own reflection. He fell in love with his own reflection, and he thought, if only I could be with that face, that beauty, that's my love, that's what I want. And he couldn't. He reached out, and of course, when he disturbed the water, that face went away, and he was miserable. Oh no, what has happened to my love? And as he paused and looked at this face, he began to cry, because he couldn't be with that love, and his tears fell into the water, disturbing the image yet again, and he was miserable. And the story goes that there he was, staring into the pool, till the day he died, paralyzed by his vanity, paralyzed by his love of himself. It's a good picture of sin. Our gospel lesson today is a good picture of sin. It's paralyzing. It makes it so that all you can do is lie there in love with yourself 
rejecting God, rejecting your neighbor until the day that you die. That's what sin does. Jesus has come to save us from sin. And it is the most glorious thing. It is as glorious as, more glorious in fact, than taking a man who cannot walk and making him walk again. It's more glorious even than taking a man who has died and raising him again. It is new life, a new heart, a heart that is made after the likeness of God's own heart. That's what forgiveness is. Today, let us learn once again about the glory of forgiveness. With this goal in mind, at the end of chapter 4 in Ephesians, Paul sums up all that he hopes for the Ephesians in terms of this new life. He sums it all up in this way. He says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's begin with that last part. As God in Christ forgave you. Notice how forgiveness works. For this poor, paralyzed man, in his paralysis, he cannot even bring himself before his Lord. He must be brought. He doesn't even make an appeal on his own behalf. It's his friends who make the appeal for him. That's exactly how it is for us in sin. In sin... Staring at our own reflection in the pool, we will never look away unless God's word comes to us from the outside. That is why baptism is such a precious gift. Someone else, as a child, has brought you to faith, has brought you to Jesus, so that you can hear and believe his promises. There he lay, that paralyzed man, unable to do any of the extraordinary things of life, not only that, but just the ordinary things. He couldn't take care of himself, he couldn't meet his own needs, there he lay, and that is exactly how sin leaves us. Unable to do the ordinary, much less the extraordinary things of life. Instead, all we can do is think about ourselves, getting our own way. What's good for me? What do I desire? What do I want? How can I be happy? How can I secure blessings? How can I secure pleasure? How can I use other people for my good? That is how sin leaves us paralyzed, immobile, unable to do any good thing. Now, in view of such paralysis, really, we recognize that there are some limits to human compassion. So if you saw a man who was paralyzed, what's the best that you could do for him? Really, and this would be a very good thing, really what you could do is you could come and sit alongside him. You wouldn't be good to share in his misery, but to offer him some comfort as he sits there, sit alongside him in his paralysis, maybe help him to get from this place to the next, but just to be with him, that's about the best you can offer, to pat him on the back and say, there, there, that really is miserable, isn't it? That's about the best that we can offer in the face of such paralysis, and that's really the best that we tend to hope for when we think about the paralysis of sin. There, there. What an awful thing that is. How terrible that you're in that plight. How awful that you're stuck in that misery. How miserable it must be to only think about yourself all the time. Let me come alongside you and be with you in your misery. That's not very hopeful, is it? Jesus has come to offer something much better. Look at what he does. He comes to this young man, and when he sees him in his misery, the first thing that he does is he opens his mouth with words unexpected and almost unbelievable. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. 
Now the crowd that was gathered around this scene couldn't bear it. Who is this man who thinks that he has the authority to forgive sins? And of course, that is precisely the point. This is the man who has authority given to him by God to forgive sins. And as a result of his authority, you have that authority as well. They marveled at the end of the story that such authority had been given to men. Let us marvel as well. He says, son, take heart, your sins are forgiven, and they couldn't bear it. And so to prove his point, to show them that he in fact had this authority, he did the thing that seemed harder to them. Son, rise up, take your bed, and go. That was the lesser work, the lesser miracle. That one is trivial. That one doesn't cost anything. What does forgiveness cost? It means that someone else must pay the debt. Someone else must take the punishment, the guilt, on himself. That is precisely what Jesus has done. He began with the greater work, but they wouldn't believe it until he did the lesser work. But how great and glorious is it? What that young man needed more than his ability to walk was that his sins would be forgiven. What he needed more than his ability to walk was that he wouldn't be left lying there in his sin, loving himself until the day he died but that he would be given a new heart and a new self that would love God and love his neighbor, pictured marvelously in this additional gift of taking up his bed and walking. When Jesus heals a paralytic, it is not so that he can just continue to lie there, but it is so that he can get up and go, living what is to him a completely new life, unimaginable before, written off before, something that no one else would ever dare to offer. That is exactly what Jesus has given to him. A whole new life. Here's again how St. Paul puts it. A new self created after the likeness of God. Who would dare to hope for that? Maybe we might hope for a new self created after the likeness of the best human being. Maybe a David or a Solomon or a Samuel. Maybe John the Baptist. Maybe Peter and Paul. But who are we made to be like? God himself. He gives us a new heart so that we can love the way that he loves, so that we can forgive the way that he forgives. It's an incredible gift, and would that the whole world would receive this gift. That should be our prayer. That should be our prayer, that the whole world would hear the voice of Jesus speaking these words, your sins are forgiven, take heart, live a new life, that old life is gone. That old self has been buried with Christ. Leave behind those sinful desires, that selfish vanity. Leave behind that reflecting pool and instead live anew. Would that the whole world believed it. It is good for the whole world, although tragically there are many for whom it does not do any good. Think about that paralytic line there. If he loved his paralysis and wanted to stay there. Jesus came up to him and said, Son, rise, take up your bed, and go. And he said, No, really, I prefer lying here. It's kind of nice not having to do anything. Kind of nice being carried around from here to there. It's kind of nice not having any responsibility for anyone else. It's kind of nice just to sit here and be myself. No, thank you. Although Jesus' words are true, and that young man could have risen up and taken his bed and walked home, if he refused, then he would lie there. He would continue to lie in his paralysis at this time, much worse than his original paralysis because it is self-chosen. He has decided for himself that he wants to stay there. That's exactly how it is for sin. These words hold true for everyone in Christ. All sin has been forgiven. And the only ones for whom it does no good are those 
who would stay in their sin, who want to keep their sin, who don't want to live a new life, but instead want to live for themselves. No, I would rather lie here in my misery until I die. What a tragedy that is. Let that not ever be one of us. Let us always hear Jesus' words and take them as words of hope and consolation and promise because they are good. He is good. Be kind and compassionate, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. See how he forgave you, taking all of your sins to the cross. Not for a moment thinking what is good for me, but instead all the time thinking what is good for them, what is good for you. His mind was on you as he went to the cross. His mind was on how he could save you from your despair. Praise God that he's been so generous and kind to you. And in that praise, let us turn then towards one another and share the same forgiveness, the same love, forgiving one others as God in Christ forgave you. They marveled that such authority had been given to men, and they were not talking just about Jesus. It's, uh, it means two things at the same time. Of course, this man, Jesus, the one standing in front of them with flesh and blood, has this authority to forgive sins. But what does he say to the church? Before he ascends into heaven, he breathes on his disciples and he says, Peace be with you. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. It's not just a well wish, it's not just a nice thought, but it is, in fact, forgiveness from God. What a marvel that such authority has been given to you. Forgiveness, this greater work. Don't you regularly think, wouldn't it be nice if I could do miracles for people? If someone is sick in your life, don't you wish that with a snap of a finger, you could heal them, you could make them whole? Such authority has not been granted to us, but a greater authority has to forgive sins. You can do far better for someone than you could if you could heal all of their sicknesses. You can do far better for someone by forgiving their sins. Here's how Peter puts it in Acts chapter 3 when he's preaching. He says... To those who are stuck in their sins, he says, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. What a marvelous way to put it. This is what is on offer in those words of forgiveness. Repent and believe. Jesus wants to take away your sins. He wants to save you from your vanity. He wants to save you from looking at yourself ever in that pool until the day that you die. He wants to give you a new life Repent and believe. Your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. Live according to this new self that God wants to give you, created after his own likeness. Don't ever worry. So often we worry about these things. Don't ever worry that that forgiveness, that compassion, the kindness and generosity that you might show to people, don't ever worry that it will be taken advantage of. This is so often our worry when it comes to charity to giving of ourselves to others. And, and frankly, that's what you're doing when you forgive someone. You're taking into yourself the debt that they owe to you. You're writing it off for their sake. Don't ever worry that you will be taken advantage of. Instead, think of it this way. Think of it how Jesus thinks of it. He doesn't worry that his forgiveness, his flesh and blood will be taken advantage of. He distributes it freely. He scatters his seed even on the road where the birds come and eat it. He distributes it freely because he thinks not of himself as opening himself to be taken advantage of, but instead he thinks about how he is giving the advantage to everyone who did not have it before. Think of what an advantage 
you give to those to whom you show kindness and generosity and love. An advantage they could never have hoped for on their own. When you forgive their sins, you set them ahead. You lift them up. You give them hope that was beyond hope. You give them a new life. Don't ever be afraid. Instead, be generous, recklessly kind in forgiving others. Peter asks the question, you know it, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times, 70 times, that seems like enough. If he doesn't get the point by then, has it been enough? Jesus says no. 70 times, seven times, it's a big number. Think bigger. Think until eternity. Think about the brothers and sisters who will live with you in God's kingdom forever. This is what Paul is talking about when he instructs us in living this new life. He says, speak plainly with one another. Why? Because we are members of one body. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? Because there's no room among us for the devil's temptations. Labor diligently. Work hard. Don't steal. Why? So that you can serve one another, giving to everyone who has need. Do not ever fear that you will run out. This authority to love and show compassion, to be kind to one another, to be tender-hearted, to forgive one another, this authority is not your own authority by virtue of anything that you bring to the table, but instead it is yours in Christ Jesus. It's his forgiveness. Poured out on the world, covering the world with room to spare, like when he fed the 5,000, beginning with five loaves and a few fishes, and ending up with more than he began with at the end. That's how God intends to supply your love. And so, be busy and diligent in this glorious work. Take Paul's words to heart. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And see, see what miracles await. Miracles far greater than what we saw in the gospel lesson today of this young man getting up and rising, seeing new life, being given to all those poor sinners who are in need. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.